Good morning, everybody. It is man coverage. It is March 13, 2022. It is Knoxville Nate and Mr. James Bonneville. How are you doing this morning, sir? Any bell, better I'd be guilty. So uh, <laughs> let's guilty. get a. By the way, who are you wearing? Well, yeah, well, there's that too as well. What 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 jersey are you wearing today? Who are you sport? I see it's a Colt. Some guys today we got Colts. We've got a Mr. Philip Wheeler, uh, linebacker, Georgia Tech. Uh, played with the Colts for a little cup of tea, and uh, now his jersey is owned by me. So nice. I, I've got some random ones, buddy. There there's some people that you're like, whoa, I forgot who that guy even was. Uh, I, I gotta say today I'm on the Philip Wheeler train. I guarantee I probably know at some point. I just don't know him right now. It's Sunday. It's right after. We're we're now in the daylight savings time. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, man. I lost an hour of sleep last night, and uh, I'm feeling it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, a- absolutely. But just for the kids at home, Philip Wheeler was a third round draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts in the 2008. NFL draft uh, played for the Colts for, mm, I don't know, about three years. Then he played Raiders, Dolphins, 49ers, Falcons, Cardinals, and then was out of the league. So he bounced around, but was a good player in college at Georgia Tech, uh, two-time all ACC linebacker. So we're giving him a, we're giving him a shout out today uh, with the game worn Jersey. But uh, you know, we got a lot of basketball going on right now. We've got the uh, conference tournaments. My volunteers uh, took out the Kentucky Wildcats yesterday, which I loved and uh, enjoyed watching. My Dukies got their asses handed to them uh, last night by the Virginia Tech Hokies, and I did not enjoy that. So. There's my report on basketball. It, uh, you know, I'm not sure about this Duke team, man. I mean, one one game I'll watch them, I'll be like, man, this team could win the title, and then I watch them play like last night, and I'm like, man, this team could lose in the first round. So, well, I mean, that's the problem with the transfer portal is you don't have experience with these guys being with each other for a long period of time. I mean, no. it's just. I mean, heck, Theo John, I remember when he played up here at Champlain Park High School with uh, another uh, three-time All-Pac-12 player in McKinley Wright, who now, I believe, is on the Timberwolves um, uh, G League team. So, yeah, great. Both those guys were great players. I mean, fantastic. That's that's what you saw last night, man. I mean, Virginia Tech, those guys have been playing together for a while. And those guys have some cohesiveness. Those guys are confident with each other. And, you know, you you could see that. And, um, you know, Duke, we've got a lot of freshmen. A.J. Griffin is a freshman. Uh, Keels is a freshman. I mean, we've got three freshmen that start, play considerable minutes. You know, Mark Williams is the elder statesman who's a sophomore. Um, you know, Wendell Moore has been there for a while. But it's just the team as a whole – you know, but Banchero is is a freshman, so it's you know it's kind of young, young team all the way around. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, once the tournament gets going. I'm interested to watch it next week. But we talk about college football more or less on this show. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, there's some good transitions because, I mean, look at the transfer portal and offense and defensive line. If you need one cohesive unit, you know where you know 
if you're constantly bringing guys in and out, that's the hardest one to bring together because they got to work as one fist. And that's the one thing about the transfer portal that scares me that could affect other teams because everybody's worried about the receiver, the running back, the quarterback. Well, heck, if you don't, it all starts on the line of scrimmage. If that's blown up, doesn't matter what you got. So. Yeah, it's true, man. And, um, you know, that's I, I that's why I like I think the transfer portal is is good. I think I do. Yeah. These kids should be allowed to go somewhere if they've been sold a bill of goods. And when they get there, it's not what they thought or, you know, they don't like the coaching staff. They don't like the school, whatever it is. I think they should be allowed to transfer. But these programs have to understand that, you know, there's still something to cohesion. I mean, look at the teams last year. They got to keep their units together, like Michigan and teams that hadn't had successful seasons in a long time. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, been good recently, but you know they 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 succeeded last year because they had everybody together uh, for a second season that they had the year before. Same with Michigan; they had f- uh, fifth, six-year guys uh, playing, and it showed. I mean, they looked like they were a team, and they looked like everybody knew what their job was, and. Um, you know, work, work together and it, it worked out good. So, you know, that's something where if you need to add a guy, you know, you need to add two guys, you know, that's that's one thing. But when you're trying to put together and piecemeal a team through the portal, you know, there, there's no guarantees that it'll that it'll mesh like you want it to uh, for the start of the season. Well, it's kind of like you look back at um, and Bill Snyder at Kansas State was a perfect example of this because how he was able to balance this between getting like half his class in JUCOs and half his class in high school players. Because if you've got the moniker that you're all JUCO, no high school player is going to take you serious and they're going to look somewhere else because they think you're going to get you're going to get bounced by the time they're their sophomore year, that they're always going to be somebody that we're going to recruit in over the top of them. So they're not going to take it serious. Now we've gone from the JUCO ranks to the transfer portal. I mean, have you seen any JUCOs getting signed? I mean, it's very rare that you do. It seems like every like the transfer portal has taken over the JUCO market completely. Yes, it, it's definitely hurt some of these guys that go the JUCO route, and it's also affected you know high school players as well. I mean, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there. We've talked to several coaches. We had the the head coach from Carrollton Day School on the show uh, several months ago, and he mentioned that a lot of his guys that are D one players, you know, haven't gotten offers because there's not enough scholarships. You've got thousands of guys in the portal, and you know, there's that's taking away spots for these kids that are you know seniors in high school, and that's that's one thing how the game of football has changed, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those kids. Uh, that maybe aren't getting the offers. Do they go to junior college? Do they go to maybe a smaller school and and try and um, you know perform and and get numbers and then work their way to another school? I mean, it it's interesting and it's going to be uh, very cool to see what happens with it. I think you're going to see some one double A's get some players that that would have been going to Power Five schools, honestly. Yeah, I, agree. I think I think it's your power schools. I mean, I I think if there was ever a, you know, I I, I never if there was ever a time James Madison making the jump to division like to uh, FBS, this may have not been the right time because I think they could have benefited a little bit longer. I mean, it was the timing of it of COVID, everybody getting extra eligibility, and on top of that, the portal. 
I mean, yeah. the way the portal blew up. I mean, you take one of those two things away, I think high school kids would be feeling the problem. But you've got guys that are fifth, sixth, seventh year that are still playing. I mean, I, it, it's, I feel bad for these high school kids, these sophomores, juniors, and seniors, because they're going to feel it for the next few years. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's still, um, you know, the the free that, – that was another thing that we haven't really talked about, the free COVID year. That affects it too. I mean, you you talk about the ability to transfer. You talk about uh, the kids, you know, missing out with scholarships because of the transfer portal. Well, yeah, and then there's these, you know, fifth, six-year seniors that got that free year, and and that's affecting things as well. So yeah, um, it's going to be pretty cool to see how that all works out, and and I'm very interested uh, to see what happens with some of these players because it's it's affected kids around here in this area, you know. I'm just talking about a couple of kids from my alma mater that, you know, were definitely D1 talent, but they missed some time on the field due to injury and kind of got looked over uh, from some of the bigger schools. And, and it, 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 you know, I think all these things play a factor. So and we'll see how that plays out. We also, you know, have spring practice getting started right now. And that is, um, you know, something that we have talked about, me and you off the air, and it's something that needs to be addressed because spring practice, we're going to talk to Coach Andre Griffin today, ask him, you know, the benefits of, of spring practice, what spring practice is really for. But I do think in a lot of instances, this spring practice is going to be used to, to find out who the starter is. You know, I think, in my opinion, one of the biggest things about spring practice is, you know, who what, what do we have? Who yeah. do we have? What are our, you know, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Because then once you figure that stuff out, who are we as a team? Who are our best players? You know, get use that spring practice to figure out who the best guys are and what positions they should be playing. After that, then you can start installing the offense in the fall and start, you know, tweaking things. But you've got to figure out who your best 11 are on each side of the football. And it all starts with the quarterback position. It always does. And uh, we've got some battles going on. And, and the first one that we need to, to address is uh, up north of Ohio in a state just above them. Um, you know, obviously, they're both coordinators bolted. Their head coach tried to bolt. Uh, talking about, of course, Mr. Khaki Pants himself, Jimbo Harbaugh, who, you know, is coming out in the media talking about how he's loving being at Michigan and how he never really wanted to leave. However, he, he interviewed for NFL jobs, and if he would have gotten offered one, he would have taken it immediately, and we all know that, and he knows that. Uh, but they do have a conundrum. You know, they had this, you know, they had this quarterback battle going on last year with the freshman J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara. They went with the veteran McNamara. Not the greatest quarterback in the world, but, you know, limited on mistakes and a good leader, apparently. They brought McCarthy in on situational downs. Everybody uh, that's a fan of that team, and it's it's Michigan. In case you haven't gotten it, um, they they want JJ McCarthy to take over, but it's not going to happen in spring practice because he's not really participating due to a bum shoulder. What what's going on up there, James? Do you think that McCarthy has a chance to be the starter, or do they roll with McNamara one more time? I think they're going to roll with McNamara again. Um, I mean, you look at what they lose on their defensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, everybody's going to talk about Hutchinson and Ojabo quite a bit, but Daxton Hill was a stud. 
and I don't think people talked about him as much because they kept focusing on Aiden Hutchinson and the big game again had against Ohio State. And don't get me wrong, Aiden Hutchinson's a special talent, but what Daxton Hill did on the back end was ridiculous. And I, I think you lose those three guys. I mean, sure, it's Michigan. They got some players, but I think they're going to have to slow things down and be a little more conservative this year. Otherwise, if they try to, I mean, if they try to turn up the, the heat, I, I don't think they've got the personnel to do it. I mean, sure, Ronnie, Ronnie Bell's back, right? I, he did not declare from what I remember. Um, I believe so. I, I, I'm like 99.9% sure, but I mean, Grant, he is coming back from serious knee surgery. Uh, but you know, that's always a good start because quite frankly, when they took, when Ronnie Bell went down in the Western Michigan game, I thought Michigan was in trouble. Like I honestly, like, here we go again. This may be the end of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And what do you know? They turned it around and made it work. Uh yeah, he is coming back. For he is coming back. Year. Yes. Good. All right. Yeah. So you got him at the X position. Um, offensive line. I mean, you have that center that they got grad, that grad transfer from Virginia. They still got a lot to deal with there, but they're going to be solid. They're going to be solid this year. I, I, I would still take Ohio State to win the East. To tell you the yeah. truth. Yeah, me too. And uh, but you know, we'll see. It'll all play itself on the field. But my question is. You know, what, why, if you think JJ McCarthy is your future, if you think he's the better quarterback, why not play him? I mean, let's talk about McNamara for a second. I mean, this is a guy completed over 60% of his passes, almost 65. He only threw for 2,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, that's a, de- a decent ratio, but it's not like this guy is a prolific light him up kind of passer. I mean, I don't understand if you think that J.J. McCarthy is better, if you think that this guy is your future, why don't you start him now? I think it's high risk, high reward. I mean, you go back to some of the stuff he did where, like that Western Michigan touchdown pass where he threw completely across the field, across his body, and against a better team, that's pick six going the other way, and you start hearing the opponent's school song. Um, he does a lot of things really good. He does a lot of things not so good. Um, it, it's just, the, it's a risk reward type of thing. And I think Cade McNamara is more of a conservative pick. Yeah. He's, does he, is he as live a game as uh, JJ McCarthy? No, but are you, you going to see turnovers out of him? Not many. I mean, he's just, he is who he is. You know, yeah. he's, he's a, I mean, he's outside of, you go back through Michigan coaches or quarterbacks outside of Denard Robinson. Can you name me one that was not fairly conservative? I mean, they all basically played within this box. No, it's true. It's true. And I, I guess that's what they like about McNamara. You know, this is a guy that, that knows the offense. He runs the offense, how they wanted to run it. And let's be yeah. honest, last year they were mainly a, a running football team. I mean, Hassan yeah. Haskins, uh, and company, that's like, the reason like their Carl. offense clicked. Yeah. It wasn't because Cade McNamara was was picking people apart. It was because that offensive line and those running backs uh, had the, the run game working, and they were dominating and dominant throughout the season. And um, that's why they had the type of success they had was because they ran the football, and then McNamara was able to convert third downs. He was able to be efficient. 
and throw the ball when they needed to. Uh, but let's be honest, sometimes on third down or fourth down, they brought McCarthy in, you know, in those crucial, crucial situations, even in the red zone. So I think, you know, there is a chance, you know, let's say McCarthy doesn't play a whole lot in spring practice. Let's say he comes back in the fall camp and just completely lights it up. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he took took the job from him uh, in the fall. I mean, I really wouldn't. I think McNamara is probably going to be the starter, but it, it could happen. Yeah, no, you're very you're very right. But I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that Michigan is bringing in right now. I mean, you've got the Orgy kid out of uh, Saxe, Texas, and was it Jaden Denigel? Out of and I miss if I mispronounce his name, I pronounce I apologize that Apple Valley, California. Um, they're bigger kids that are very athletic. I mean, we're talking six two to six four, probably two twenty to two thirty-five. I mean, they're not your, you know, drop back five steps, grow roots, you know, do one, two, three reads, don't have it throw out of bounds. I mean, they're this is these guys are dynamic players. And, you know, once Cade McNamara moves on, I mean now you've got three really athletic quarterbacks sitting in that quarterback room and you tell me what they're going to do. They're going to get more, you know, more aggressive in how they approach the offensive set. So I think so. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's kind of weird, this injury. Apparently he had the injury before the orange bowl, Yeah, uh, but, but continued to play against Georgia, you know, was actually pretty active against Georgia. I think they said that he threw, um, what I think he's had like 17 passes. Yeah, he played, he played quite a bit. Yeah, seven for 17 for 131 yards and a touchdown. Also carried the ball four times for 24 yards the last game of the year. So, you know, if this injury was so severe, why the hell was he playing the entire Orange Bowl? I mean, that's uh, that's kind of confusing to me. But uh, it is the playoff, though. You yeah. know, I mean, it, it, you don't. Quite frankly, you'd have to be pretty freaking injured to keep me off the field. So I, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying there, you know, there he hasn't had surgery. And that's kind of what people thought was that this was going to lead to surgery in the spring and he hasn't had it. So that's that's what's confusing to me. But we got a bunch of other battles and I want to start with the team we've been talking quite a bit about here on this show. And that is the Auburn football tires. Uh, obviously, they've had the days of our lives soap opera going on down there with their coach uh, talking about firing him, talking about getting rid of them and then keeping them and 20 different players have left the program, five coaches since the end of the season. Uh, it's kind of a disaster. And then, you know, what do they do quarterback position? They've got TJ Finley coming back. He's the guy uh, that was kind of the backup last year uh, to their boy. Um, what's his name? The guy who went to Oregon. What is my uh, Bo Nix? Bo Nix. Yes. He's their starter. Been the starter for the last three years. And uh, when he went down with injury last year, T.J. Finley came in and actually played pretty well against Alabama. So you've got Finley, you've got Zach Calzada, who transferred from A&M, and then you've got the Oregon transfer, Robbie Ashford. So it's kind of funny. Knicks goes to Oregon, Robbie Ashford goes to Auburn, and they just kind of switch schools. But you've got those three guys. Who, uh, who wins the job, in your opinion, James and – is this really a battle or, or what? I mean, well, think- it, here's my thoughts. There is who I think should win, who will win. Okay. And they're not the same. Who I think should win is TJ Finley. Yeah. What, what uh, the coach needs down there is continuity. 
and TJ Finley does. I mean, heck, he had his back when everything everybody was throwing the kitchen sink at him. TJ Finley had his back, and I, I I get the feeling he may have that locker room too as well. Now Zach Zach Calzada transferring to AM from AM to there makes me believe that that he's going to get the job. If he does, I think we're talking coaching search next year. Yeah. I mean, why would he go to Auburn unless he thought that he could win the job there and be the starter? I mean, I, I just, why would you leave the situation you were in at Texas A&M if you didn't think you were going to win the job at Auburn? I mean, I, I really think he probably is. This is a guy uh, played 12 games last year for, for A&M. Um, you know, 2,185 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Wasn't great, but definitely a, a pretty serviceable quarterback. So I, I think, in my opinion, it's going to come down to Calzada and Finley. I'm not that sold on Ashford, to be honest with you, and I'm not so sure he's really even in this race. I, 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 he's not. I, I, I put him completely on the back burner. It's really between those two. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, one that I really want to discuss with you, and that is in Clemson. Let's be honest, man. Clemson is all about winning. Um, that's all they care about. That's one thing that I do give credit to Dabo Sweeney and the program for is that they, they want to win. And, you know, we saw it before after Deshaun Watson left and, uh, you know, he was replaced uh, by uh, what's the quarterback's name, number two, who went on to uh, – Missouri. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I even saw him in a hotel in Nashville one time. Uh, Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. Thank you. Uh, Kelly Bryant, a guy that was a hometown dude. Um, great quarterback. You know, one took him to the college football playoff, came back the following year, you know, played pretty well, but, you know, wasn't killing it in the passing game and got replaced. Uh, they were 8-0 and they benched him. And uh, or what were they four? No, I think and benched him and put Trevor Lawrence in. So they're not afraid to make a change. And obviously, DJ Ugalele did not play well last year. Uh, he was a disaster. Um, you know, they were lucky to get to nine wins, honestly. Um, and now they've got a one of the top quarterbacks in the country and Cabe Klubnik coming in. Who wins that job? Honestly, I think it's DJU. And I, I, I put a lot of blame on how he played last year, not as much on him, but more on the fact that that offensive line has not been good. And it was really bad. I mean, you go back into drafts and you and I talked about this and I can't remember the exact number, but I think over the last 10 years, they've had like one, maybe two guys on their offensive line drafted. Yeah. How is it that they were able to stop those Alabama defensive lines that, Heck, everybody and their grandmother got into the NFL. I yeah. mean, and, and they were high draft picks. Um, I, I mean, it showed not only that, but I mean, it affected the running game, which people forget how much Clemson really valued that back end running game. And they had no slot. The Hunter Renfro's of the world, the uh, Amari, the kid that Rogers. was Rogers. Rogers. I mean, you've had tight ends that lined up in the slot. That slot position helped out so much because it allowed the outside receivers to really get down downhill on single coverage. And I, I, if you don't solve those other problems, it doesn't matter who's starting at quarterback. 
You could have Pat Mahomes starting there. And guess what? The same stuff's going to happen. Do I think that DJU's got to work a little bit more on his physical game? Absolutely. But, I mean, he got the crap kicked out of him last year, both mentally and physically. I mean, you would thought they went three and nine and they went nine and three. True, true. And he did he did get the uh, the crap kicked out of him, uh, but he was also unimpressive. I mean, nine touchdowns, yeah. ten interceptions. That's not good. He was he seemed like he was slow to me and out of shape. And, you know, he had trouble um, rushing the ball. You know, he had 100 carries for 308 yards. That's 2.9 a carry. That's not really impressive. Only four touchdowns. Um, you know, he's got to be better. And I, I agree with you. The offensive line was a joke. Uh, the receivers were not as good. There, there was problems all over the place on that offense. But if he doesn't get better, I, I could see Cade uh, Klubnik, you know, taking over for him and getting inserted, you know, sooner rather than later if changes if changes in his game aren't made. I could see it. I think it would be a bad move, in all honesty. Um, but I, I could see it. Yeah. But if you don't get that slot position figured out, does it matter? Yeah. I mean, everything had to be an extended play. I mean, you look back at the Georgia game. I mean, Jordan Davis might as well had a mortgage because he was living in the backfield. I mean, it was, they weren't even trying. And you could just see it in, his, in DJU's face. He was just – he couldn't do anything. No, he, he definitely was under duress at all times. And, yeah. Uh, and, and from what I've heard, he's worked very hard in the offseason. He's lost some weight. He's apparently quicker and more nimble, and he's going to have to be unless that offensive line gets better real quick. And speaking about quicker and nimble quarterbacks, uh, one that I want to jump to is the Florida Gators. Okay, they've got both guys coming back. They used two quarterbacks last year, and they've got both guys coming back. they got Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones, uh, both being the starters. Let's be honest, you can't really put all of what happened at Florida last year on the quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. the, I don't know what happened to Dan Mullen. He seemed to check out completely and utterly, uh, wasn't recruiting, wasn't coaching, was the, the press conferences were a disaster. I don't know what happened last year, but now they've got both guys coming back, Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones, the Ohio State transfer, Jack Miller's in the mix, three guys, who's winning in Florida? Who's who's taking, who's going to be the starting quarterback next year? In I, I, I think it's two guys, and I think it's Anthony Richardson. Um, yeah. I, I, quite frankly, as soon as the firing went down with Dan Mullen, I'm shocked that Emory Jones didn't pack up the U-Haul and start looking for a job. I mean, Emory Jones is a very good quarterback, folks. I mean, I think he got put into a horrible situation when Kyle Trask, and it's not his fault or anybody's fault. It's just the way Kyle Trask got elevated and played really well. He was supposed to be the heir apparent. And it, it really affected a lot of things. And now you bring in a whole new uh, whole new team at the coaching staff. I, I think you got to go with Richardson. I, I, I would, if I was Emory Jones, I would be looking around. And quite frankly, I think I would look outside the SEC completely. Um, I think after spring ball, I could see him transferring. I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be guys on this list that we've been talking about that aren't going to get the job come spring. And they're going to go shop themselves because there's going to be open slots everywhere again. Like we're going to have this conversation all over again. Oh, I agree. And I, I heard rumors that he was, you know, looking at other schools uh, when Napier was hired, uh, was discussing potentially transferring to, to a couple of different places. 
And I'm not really sure why he didn't. Uh, maybe he thinks he can win the job. I mean, let's be honest. At the beginning of the season, he was playing pretty good. Yeah. You know, they, they had yeah. Bama on the ropes. Uh, they were beating Bama for three and a half quarters. Looked like, you know, this could be one of the best teams in the country. And then the wheels kind of fell off. And, you know, as we all know, the quarterback gets all the credit when you win, all the blame when you lose. And I'm not sure everything had to do with him. But he's kind of a unique player, man. You know, he's, he's kind of a run-first quarterback. But he's a guy that can definitely throw the ball and can spin it uh, if he has to. So Agreed. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I just – I feel for him. And there's a lot of court. I mean, you have to have a special type of quarterback that doesn't allow the outside noise to get in your head because how can it not, especially in the social media age? Yeah. Well, there's one more I want to talk to uh, about really quickly. And that is at LSU. Obviously we heard the news this week. Jaden Daniels is transferring uh, from Arizona state uh, along with all the coaches he's taken off and moving on. And uh, it's going to LSU. You know, they had Miles Brennan, who's coming back. Uh, Max Johnson obviously transferred to Texas A&M. They've got Garrett Nussmeyer. Why would Dan- Why would Daniels go there unless they told him he was going to be the starter, right? I mean, is is he going to be the guy? Well, not only that, you're forgetting about one guy, and that's Walker Howard, who's a highly touted prospect out of uh, St. Thomas More, Lafayette. I mean, yeah. I, I think you're going to walk out of spring ball and there are two names that are going to be walking. And I think the one that won't be would be Walker Howard. So I think you could take him off the list that he's, I think, I think the coaching staff knows that he can wait. Okay. That he'll be the backup, but two of the three of those are gone. And I would have a hard time seeing that, uh, Jaden Daniels doesn't get the job, but I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen the old coach in uh, at LSU do some crazy stuff before too. Um, uh, that's Kelly. probably yeah, probably yeah. the dancing the dancing with the recruits is probably the craziest one I've seen. But, well, I, uh, I, I'm still amazed how he was able to pick up that Cajun accent just by flying south. <laughs> I mean. I am blown away or his unbelievably horrible dancing. You know, they got to stop that video because it's like going virally horribly. I mean, he looks like a predator for Christ's sake. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what he's doing, but uh, he has done a pretty good job recruiting and, and also getting guys through the portal. So, you know, we'll see what happens down there. He's, he's been, you know, hard on quarterbacks just to be gentle about it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, guys uh, at at Notre Dame, you know, took off Everett Golston, Wimbush. I mean, he pissed off quarterback after quarterback up there. Deshaun Kaiser. uh, Deshaun Kaiser, you name it. And they all either, you know, left or transferred. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I've got to believe Jaden Daniels is the front runner. I just think he wouldn't have transferred there unless he thought he could win the job. Here's the part that I look at Brian Kelly and I question on that part is you're starting to hear all these stories about Jaden Daniels' mother having weekly meetings with the coaching staff at Arizona State. I mean, like, this is like the helicopter of helicopter parents. And now you're going to take that to Baton Rouge? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I mean, he's regressed. I mean, he had an incredible freshman year. But since then, he has regressed time and time again. And it makes me see, especially what I saw after he transferred, 
I mean, that locker room, they, they weren't having a pity party from when we left. I mean, they were having a party like it was a good thing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, we've got our uh, guest. I'm going to bring him on right now. We've got Mr. Andre Griffin joining us on the show. I'm going to pop him on. Andre, you hear us, buddy? Yes, sir. Can you guys hear me? We sure we can. You, how, coach. You, how you doing today, Coach? I'm doing good besides the time change. That gets me every year, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that this morning. I was sitting there thinking I had an hour uh, to relax, and then I looked at my phone and was like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 Sunday night when, you know, everybody's going to sleep and you're just waking up to go to work. So, you know, but that got me. It got me pretty good. It got me too, Coach. And, uh, you know, we know that you are in a new location right now and uh, gone gone over to uh, Springfield, Ohio, and Wittenberg. What's uh, What's been going on, man? You you enjoyed – obviously, you haven't been there a long time, but uh, how you liking it so far? Oh, love it. Um, been there three weeks. Three weeks we start – you know, they, the kids were out on uh, spring break um, last week, so when we get back, we're going to do the old mat drills uh, for about two more weeks, and then we'll get into, you know, the Division three spring ball. Um, you know, for us, we just been recruiting, you know, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Um, it's big on the missions on, on a D3 level, um, but also we got to get kids that fit our program as well. So that's what we've been doing. You know, I've been out there um, on the phone a lot, um, just communicating with some kids and, and obviously getting them, getting them to get to know me, uh, you know, on the phone because I didn't get to meet them when they were on their visits and things of that nature. Um, so it's going well. It's going really well. Um, you know, Wittenberg is, is a diamond. Um, you know, it's a hundred yard indoor football field, uh, wow. 300 meter track around there. Uh, so the facilities is amazing. Um, you know, top of the line weight room that yeah. they have down there. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember Tamika Jeter, now Tamika Williams. Yeah. Um, she's our head women's basketball coach. She's doing a tremendous job. And Brian Nagler is our AD uh, who won some WNBA um, championships. So, you know, nice. that was very attractive to me. Um, obviously, um, I coached with the head football coach, Jim Collins, at Saginaw Valley State and yep. also at Capital University. So, obviously, nice. those things putting together and, and getting those kids and, and obviously recruiting in Ohio is big. So, you know, we're going to try to change it up and, and make a run for this thing. Yeah. Now, Wittenberg is a traditional power. And I, I as our most of our listeners know, I played at Ohio Wesleyan. And, man, we had trouble uh, with Wittenberg quite a bit because that is uh, – that is a powerhouse and uh, a great program and a great tradition. Um, you know, as far as Division Three uh, spring practice goes, what uh, what does that all entail, Andre? And and what are you guys really trying to get out of spring practice once it gets started? Well, this year um, it's a new change. Uh, we can have our helmets on. I don't know if you remember back in the day, um, you couldn't have helmets, so we can have helmets on uh, for most of the park, and then we have four days with shoulder pads. So we're going to have um, a full spring practice. We're going to practice, you know, as a special teams coordinator, I've talked to coach and I asked him, do you want to do drills or do you want to put in the uh, the package? And we're going to put in everything. Um, nice. Kids, you know, obviously there's uh, sometimes on division three, you have kids that do other sports, you know, with track and, and lacrosse, um, some of those things. So we're going to miss a couple of people, but for the most part, you know, with the energy that we're bringing down there, um, you know, we're going to get a good practice in seven on seventeen. You know, all the good stuff that we're going We just don't have, like, a true spring game, if that makes sense. Yeah. But we have 14, 15 practices, um, just like everybody else. And uh, so it's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good this year. Now, 
Coach Griffin, um, you know, you've not only playing at Ohio State for Coach Cooper, but your various stops along the way. Culture's become a big thing in today's football. What kind of culture are you trying to install in the young men in your program as you developed here at Wittenberg? Well, for me, it's not just about, you know, obviously not just about football. Um, you know, for us, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in manhood. Um, I taught, I was a high school football coach at Lima Senior um, in Lima, Ohio for four years. And I was a part of a program called CTAG, Closing Achievement Gap uh, with Brian Miller. And uh, we did an excellent job of building man. Um, a lot of these guys, I, I heard you guys talking about, you know, a couple parents meeting with the with the kids um, yeah. on a weekly basis. Um, for a lot of a lot of times, you know, they don't have a manhood uh, or, or uh, a male influencer, um, a mentor, things of that nature. So it's my job, and I, I truly, honestly believe this, to grow these guys a man and bring them together. You know, we did a, um, you know, we did some dodgeball before break. Um, you know, we do a lot of team building as far as talking to them, you know, um, culture building on, on those types of things. And I think that's what's going to bring us all together um, as men and, and as a team. It's funny you bring up the dodgeball thing. I remember seeing Coach <laughs> Heupel doing that soon after he got hired, too, as well. And I was like, it's a brilliant idea. I mean, it's something yeah. so simple, but it actually works out. Some of the same skills are going to be doing on the football field, too, as well, at the exact same time. Yeah, you can see people, um, you know, kids competing, competing, you know, when you can see the leaders stepping up, building, and they go against the coaches, and, and we get intense. You know, obviously we got some young coaches that just, you know, I'm getting older, but, uh, you know, we get it in pretty good. So, um, <laughs> old, old athletic ability, you know, good hand-eye coordination that's going on in there. And, and, you know, I've done that, you know, even on the high school level, on all levels. And we also do – you know, we haven't done it yet with Whitbird, but, uh, you know, three-on-three -three basketball, just simple things that you can yeah. do to see, you know, how they compete and how a leader steps up. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Coach, we were talking, as you heard before, about, you know, some of these battles going on in, in spring practice with the quarterbacks. And, you know, it's a new world now with the ability uh, to transfer and with the transfer portal and with these guys being able to switch schools and, uh, you know, go wherever they want. And, and me and James have talked extensively about it. And our, our other guy that's on our show, Rico McCoy, who played at Tennessee, you know, he was for it too. And we, we feel like the kids should be allowed, you know, to go to another school and not have to sit out a year. But it certainly has changed, um, you know, the football world. And, and we just want to get uh, your thoughts on it and what you thought when you heard of the, the rule changes and uh, what do you think it'll do to the game, you know, moving forward. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely bigger on, on a bigger level, um, on a Division One level, but it, it, it trickles down. Um, I believe in the portal. Actually, I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, I actually transferred to a house. I went to Littlewood University um, in St. Louis, Missouri, St. Charles, Missouri. Yep. And they're D2 now. They were NAI at the time. Um, so I transferred up. And I probably should have just went to Ohio State um, just because of my tradition, you know, you know, things that I grew up with. But – you know, I went for the money, things of that nature, but uh, definitely a big believer in it. But, you know, the honesty, the, the high school, I don't know if you guys, um, you know, saw some of the stuff that Coach Prime, Coach Deion Sanders were saying. Um, you know, on the high school level, it really it really hurts them more than the college yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. You know, those guys aren't getting – I've seen – you know, I was at a um, high school basketball game the other day, and uh, this is, these guys are going to the regional finals, you know, and now – one guy on the team has got a D1 offer, you know. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and that's what's trickling down. I know uh, uh, one kid that I, I went to Shaker Heights. There's a kid that went to uh, Fairmont University, and now he transferred to Baylor. Think about yeah. that. Wow. You know, he went he went from D two to one of the top ten teams in the nation. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely um, it helps, but it hurts as well. I, I I did a study, you know, right before I went to uh, uh, Wittenberg, and there, I think there was something like twenty five hundred kids in the portal, and there was only. Uh, 25% of them was getting picked up. So yep. some kids do not have homes and people don't talk about that as well. A lot of kids haven't found a home. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. And that's, yeah, no, it's crazy, man. It, it's, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, that's, that's what we were just talking about. You know, there's not enough, uh, there's only a certain amount of scholarships. And with all these people in the portal, there's definitely Andre, I think some, some high school kids that are getting left out. Don't you think? Absolutely. You know, you see talent level and, and some of them just some of them are just dropping. You know, I know um, I'm good friends with uh, uh, Mike Jacobs down at North Rhine um, down in uh, North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, he was telling me, you know, they picked up guys that were should be D1 players. Um, but unfortunately, some of the D1 schools down down in that area were only picking up portal kids or picking up four or five high school kids. So those guys trickle down. Luckily, you know, it's a good powerhouse down there that they can recruit, got great facilities, those types of things, great education, and, and can get those guys. But a lot of guys are, are out. They're, you know, they're going to JUCO, and, and you know, some some of these prep schools are, are, are building, um, but they still have to do a little bit of better job of, of, of promoting as far as the education piece of it. Um, and that's what they're getting killed on. But, uh, yeah, they're getting lost, man. They're getting lost. Um, it's good for, you know, the Joe Burrows, you yeah. know, you, you see those things, and the graduate, and, and you guys know history. I don't want to go through all the history because I know you don't have time. But you know, the graduate transfer is kind of what started the Russell Wilsons, those types. Yeah. Of things that's really started the, the transfer, and uh, those are great. You know, because they graduated from the school, then they pick them up uh, on the graduate level. But it, it trickles down. But I, I honestly, you know, going back to your original question, I do believe in the portal, and uh, you know, kids definitely need to have a chance to play elsewhere, but. You know, I feel for some of the kids that don't get that chance. Do you have a fear factor that, like, the lower divisions are going to become more of a feeder program for upper divisions because of the way – I mean, you have the perfect storms being set up right now where you have these COVID extra years – plus the transfer portal at the exact same time. If you would have separated that out by at least two, three, four, five years – I don't think there'd be near the problem with high schools today, but I mean, do you think that a lot like schools are going to basically try to basically re-recruit kids as if they're, they're not supposed to, but at the D2, D3, 1AA, all the way up. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I never really thought about that. Um, but you know, when you, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You probably are going to re-recruit some kids, you know, and that happens before, you know, I had kids, you know, when I was closing D2 that, that transferred or, or went to another school and, you know, you just have good relationships with the, with the young man and, yeah. and bounce back and you call them bounce backs. And, uh, you know, they ended up doing really good for us, you know? So yeah, you're definitely going to have that, um, you know, and unfortunately I see some things on the, on the lower levels with the, you know, sometimes with the COVID it, it kind of killed emissions. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that, but it, it, it killed emissions. So a lot of times, um, you know, they're not just to the regular student, they're not reaching their, their goals as far as, you know, 5,000 or whatever their goals want to be in, in the school. So they're pushing 
for missions now and, and they're helping those guys out. So yeah, definitely I have a kid, you know, a couple of kids that are transferring from D2s that are calling me all the time right now, um, just trying to find a home, you know, just yeah. get lost. So, and, you know, those, like I said before, those are the kids that you kind of worry about the most. It's the yeah. ones you don't read about that you don't know that are, are, are lost. And, 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 you know, we've had kids and you guys are big on, I don't know if you guys are, but, you know, with the mental, <laughs> you know, the mental depression, all yes. stuff, it's real. It is really real. You know, um, you know, these kids will call you and say, this is my last chance, coach, you know, and, and they're, they're spilling their guts out to you. And, uh, you know, you're trying to give them a home. You know, so you have a lot of those kids out there that you really worry about. Yeah, no. And it's and I think it's even more difficult, you know, at the at the D3 level, because you're not allowed to give, you know, full athletic scholarships. But there are ways that you can help people. You know, when I played, uh, I got a, a what was called a dean's grant because I had good grades and I uh, got a, a pretty decent score on the SAT. So I was able to help get some of my school paid for. But I think it's difficult because you have to figure it out, you know, ways to help the kids financially get into the school because, you know, the, some of these Division three schools are expensive. And so it, it gets it gets kind of tricky. So just talk to us a little bit about, you know, your process of trying to get these kids in and identifying who can play. And then also, you know, academically trying to get them into the school um, with the financial situation. Well, another thing that's been happening since COVID is, uh, you know, people are are you know, they don't have to send their ACTs, you know, you can, you don't have to do that. So um, yeah. for me, you know, I look at their GPA, you know, that's the yeah. one, GPA. Um, the school has their standards. So you might have a three, you know, if you have a three, eight, you might get this amount of money, a three, five, three, three, three point oh, you know, right down the line. Uh, so that's where you start off with. So, you know, when you're talking to the, excuse me, when you're talking to the student athletes, that's what you go off of. You got to have a great admissions team, um, great academic team that communicate with the athletes and, and you let them know this is what you're getting automatically. That's what you start off with. Um, make sure they have their financial aid, you know, their FAFSA. You know, when they get their FAFSA, they get more money. And also there's little scholarships, as you know, there's little scholarships within the school, such as um, if you have an alumni uh, friend, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you, you might have you get an extra thousand dollars here. You know, yep. if you, you write left-handed, people don't understand. There's so many little things. If you write left-handed, you might get an extra thousand dollars there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, then go to your local, your local um, area. There's so many. Like I have a scholarship. I I have a, a pro, I have a um, um, foundation called A Griffin Legacy Foundation. So I give a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars here to a young lady, five hundred dollars to a young male at two different schools at Lima Senior and Shaker Heights. Um, that's what I'm doing this year. So that's $2,000 between, you know, a young lady. So there's so many scholarships. And I did that when I was in high school, when I worked in Lima Senior. So I found a lot of scholarships. So there's so much money that a lot of foundations and a lot of areas, uh, uh, fraternities, sororities, all that type of things that you can get. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you know, your 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 fund is down. You know you might you still gonna have to pay a little bit. You know that, but yeah. uh, you know you might be you know with your loans and, and things of that nature. You might be at five to eight thousand. You know in between that to ten thousand. So that's what you have to do. And then you know for finding the kids, you know it's just like any other level. You know you want to find the right kid that fits your programs, and you want to find a leader and obviously you know a baller. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and I always have this rule. I'm gonna let them tell me no. 
you know, I'm gonna recruit them, um, and, and you're gonna tell me no if that that's what you want to do. You want to go to other school, that's fine, but you're gonna tell me no. So if if Andre Griffin is the best football player, you end up going to Ohio State, and I'm at Whitburg, I'm still gonna recruit that kid. Yeah, you know, so that's how I look at it, and uh, you know, and like I say, it goes back to relationships. So you can get guys, and, and it goes back to relationships. It goes back to the portal. It goes back to everything. You know, because like I said, some of the, some of the kids are getting left behind, and we have to do a better education, and 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 now with the podcast and everything else to promote D three. I mean, D three is, is, is great football. You're blessed to be on any level, D one, D two, D three, NAIA, no matter what. You know, there's not a lot. Of, if you if you look at the the another stats of high school athletes, you know, compared to college athletes, you know, it's not a lot comparable around the nation compared to college. So. You know, if you get blessed to get talked to and get recruited, you know, we have to take advantage of that. You've you've had a lot of like not only your high school collegiate and your coaching career have had a lot of mentors and people that you've looked to, even fellow players. Um, heck, even family too as well. Who are some of those people that help were a big influence on you that you use some of their advice and strategy today in your own coaching life? Well, like you said, there's a lot, um, but someone just to, to, to be hot, that's hot right now, Stan Drayton. Stan Drayton, the new Temple head football coach, um, he was he came into Ohio State as the wide receivers coach with Coach Tressel originally. Um, he's from Cleveland area. I'm from the Cleveland area um, as far as where I went to school. Um, and he, you know, when we got to the Tressel camps back in, you know, I call them the good old Tressel days. <laughs> when we had three day, three, three day camps and, and, you know, you had a big group of coaches that all worked together for years and years. And I was young, um, you know, we really, really uh, connected. Um, and, you know, obviously he moved on to Texas and, and the Bears and, and all those types of things. But uh, he was a really, really good mentor for me. And uh, I'm so happy that he finally got his chance. I think it's long overdue um, in Temple. And uh, he's going to do a great job with those guys, not just on the field, but off the field. Um, so you kind of relate to guys that are you, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, if you see that guy, his background story, um, those things of that nature, you know, I think those are the guys that I really looked up to. And, and I'll tell you what, um, you know, you won't ever probably meet this guy, Brian Miller. I mentioned him earlier in, in my C-tag. Uh, you know, he's, he's, I mean, unbelievable. You know, with the manhood, I, I tell the story when I went into the class, I got hired as a head football coach and I was assigned. <laughs> and you know how that goes. You're assigned to a to a program and, and what's called closing the achievement gap. And uh, he's done a great. He's he's like not just a brother to me, but he's an unbelievable mentor, not just to the, the community of Lima, but to um, me as well. So, you know, he's done a really, really good job. And hopefully. You know, I'm trying to get him out here and, and get on some podcasts where, where people can hear his stories as well. So um, those guys are probably the main two. Obviously, my dad, uh, my uncles, you know, those guys are always um, great mentors as well just because of what they went through back in the 60s and, and 70s and, and how they fought through, uh, you know, and all graduated. You know, they all graduated. Even my auntie, my, my, the youngest one of the Griffins, they all graduated from college. You know, and that was a big thing. That's eight <laughs> siblings that wow. all wow. and they're all doing. You know, the old school families. You know, they're 
big families, but uh, they all graduated and they're all doing really good things. And then my cousins are all doing good things now. So, you know, just that tradition, the, that's why the A. Griffin legacy thing, um, you know, kicked in. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's, you know, that's pretty much, you know, my story on, on, on mentorship. Obviously, I got a lot more, but. Uh, Heck, um, we could have a whole show on it. <laughs> you could do a whole show on it. You definitely could do a whole show on it. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm blessed to be on this show right now um, just for people can hear the story and, and get it out there because I think, you know, everything in my last few years, obviously since COVID, you know, I know we keep bringing that up, but, you know, you find yourself, you know, you find yourself in that moment of sitting in your house and like, okay, <laughs> you know, what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, the foundation has kicked off, you know, uh, obviously coaching has grown and, and I've become a better man number one, and uh, definitely a better coach at the same time. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, that's all great stuff. I, I know that, you know, for me, at least playing football, you know, there, there's some people that, you know, they don't want their kids to play football. They think it's a dangerous sport and it, it you know, it can be, but I know, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this coach is I know that I learned a lot about life, you know, playing football. You know, I met people, the coach that coached me at Ohio Wesleyan, Pat Delaney, who was the defensive coordinator for me? He's still there, yes. and he's been, he's been there for a, a you know a long time now. I I play I graduated in two thousand one, and he was my defensive coordinator when I was there, and he's still the coach there, and I I still communicate with him. And like you were talking about the uh, alumni referral uh, program, I try and help him out if he's got any kids down here in Knoxville and or in Tennessee or Kentucky. I'll go meet with them and and tell them, hey, I know this guy because I played for him and you know, the relationships that you make, like a lot of that you've been talking about people that mentored you and people that mentored me, I still stay in touch with to this day. And, you know, it just football teaches you about life and working together as a team. And I just want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, what football can do for these kids beyond, you know, just athletically. Football is life. And, and you know, it made me, you know, who I am today. Um, it's just, it's relationships. I mean, you have your, you know, you're on your team. I mean, I know you guys have Steve Belisari, you yeah. know, all those guys, those are my teammates, man. You know, when I see them, I smile, I love, love them, you know, and yeah. uh, often we did some good things and we had yeah. some fun at the same time in college, but you know, you're going to be with those guys. I mean, in college, I mean, listen, we got six in the morning workouts tomorrow, you know, yeah. then you're going to class and then you got your team your team workout, then you got a, a study hall. I mean, your team uh, function, then you got a study hall, you know, so you're going to be with those guys. So you have to learn how to communicate. You know, that's the biggest thing is communication and open up. And, and, and you know, cause you got guys from California, Florida, Ohio, obviously, you know, all over the place and, and you learn different cultures, you know, so one culture could uh, one guy from, from Miami to invite you down to Miami and you grew up in Cleveland. So you're going yeah. all the way to the bottom. So you're seeing different things. And uh, eventually those are going to be the leaders of the world. You yeah. know, they're going to be the leaders. You know, we probably, you know, I'm 43 years old. I didn't think I would be sitting here, you know, talking on the podcast, talking about, you know, my foundation and things of that nature. But that's what happens. And, yeah. and when you send things out to them, they give back. You know, yeah. I, I get so surprised when I say, oh, yeah, I'm having a golf outing. And then next thing you know, you're getting sponsors after sponsors after sponsors. You know, so it's a blessing, and it's mostly your teammates, not just from college, from high school, um, the alumni, their friends that you might not have met, but they know you're a good person. Um, so it's life, man, and, and 
And, you know, just going off of, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous sport, but every sport is dangerous. You know, you're not supposed to throw overhand. People don't, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the natural motion is underhand. So just little stuff like that, you know. And I was talking to a young lady yesterday that played, funny thing, she played softball at Ohio State when I was there. We was at, at a party yesterday. And, uh, and and her kids are getting into the fourth, fifth grade, you know, that time when she's getting nervous. I was like, I was like, look, I've seen you play softball. I'm not trying to get hit by a softball. I'd rather get hit by a person that I know is going to come and tackle me before I get hit by a softball or a baseball. You <laughs> yeah, know? no kidding. Um, no kidding. There's injuries in everything, anything you do. So, you know, you have to go out with, a, with an empty mind and learn. It's all about teaching. Um, you know, the coaching has to get to where you want it to be. And, and obviously, at a young age, it's not you have to keep stressing this. It's not about winning and losing. It's about you know getting better. You know techniques and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. and that's how you protect the game is the teaching and the coaching. Yeah, no doubt. Well, awesome, Andre. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. We really appreciate your time, and uh, I hope you have a, a great uh, season and enjoy uh, being at Wittenberg. It's a great great spot, and I think. Uh, I think we'll be, uh, you know, talking to you again, hopefully real soon and, and getting some updates because I think uh, I think you're going to like it there. It sounds like you already do. And I, I hope you uh, have all the success uh, you can in, in year one. I appreciate you guys. Hey, all right. Thank you again. Really thank you so much, uh, Coach. We uh, will be cheering for you. And uh, we appreciate you so much for joining us today and sharing some time with us. Thanks again. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Have a good one, Coach. You too. All right. That was pretty awesome, man. Uh, yeah. Get to coach, uh, get to talk to coach Griffin and man, he, uh, he don't just talk about football, man. He, he knows a lot about life too. And uh, that's the kind of people I like to, to talk to and hear from because uh, we are a football show, but uh, you know, life comes first. And um, it sounds like coach Griffin knows what he's doing. Um, he's not just helping these young men learn about football. He's helping them learn about life. And hundred uh, percent. He's, he's a really good guy and um, built that know. holistic person, you know, some, I mean, exactly. like we've talked about before in, in past shows, I mean, everybody sees that three hours when they're on TV or they're at the stadium watching that person, but they yeah. go through the exact same things you and I do on a daily basis. I mean, heck, we were talking about mental health issues during COVID. I yeah. mean, h- how many people went through the exact same things that they do? I mean, that's the one thing about football. A lot of things, it just brings people together. You know, people that may disagree about everything else under the sun, but on one specific Saturday or Friday night or Sunday afternoon, they come together for one purpose. And I I think a lot of people really took that for granted pre-COVID, and I think it really is going to benefit us afterwards. So, Yeah, there's no doubt, man. I mean, football is something that that can bring people together, and and that's what I love about it. I mean, even, um, you know, fans that are against each other, you know, they can, they can set aside uh, their hatred maybe of another school to, to realize that this is a game uh, that we all love. And, um, you know, we, we love our families, we love football. um, And those are the two things that if you can um, hold on to them, they can, they can enrich your life in in a bunch of different ways. So I think coach Griffin does that at a a bunch of different levels, man. He's a, he's a good guy who, who not only cares about his his players and cares about his team, but he cares about the community that he's in. Absolutely. He cares not only about the four years that they're there, but the 40 years after they've left. Exactly. And that's what I was talking about with him. You know, 
with my coach Delaney, you know, he's still there. And uh, yeah. that's so cool to me to think about a guy who's been at the same school for 30 years and yeah. coach Delaney could have gone anywhere. You know, I, I'm just being honest here. I'm not pumping him up because he was my coach or because I'm, I like him and I'm friends with them. He's a, he's a fantastic defensive football coach and he could have gone to other schools. He could have taken a promotion and gone somewhere else, but he loves what he does and he loves the school that he's at. And so he stays there to try and make it a better place uh, because he cares. And that's, yeah. uh, that's what it's about with these coaches, man. You can tell coach Griffin cares and uh, wants to help people. And, and that's, that's pretty amazing in my opinion. Well, I mean, heck, I, I look back at a coach like John Gallardi at St. John's, Minnesota, Division Three school. Yeah. I mean, he he coached at one place for, what, from 1953 to 2012? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, head football coach, multiple NCAA national championships. I still think he's the all-time winningest coach across all divisions. I, I mean, think so. I, I mean – you, I mean, not only do you love football, you got to love the institution, what it stands for, everything. And you don't see that today in this day and age. You know, I mean, he no. built, he built the community, and I, I, I have friends of mine that played for him, and I can tell you right now, they would still, you know, if he was still with us to this day, they'd run through a wall for the man. Yeah, no, that's that's where I think you can. Uh you know, truly make a difference is if you stay somewhere long enough where, you know, you can change an entire community. And that's yeah. that's what those guys have done. And uh, uh, it's really cool. And we're going to, um, you know, this show just keeps getting better because we got great guests that we've brought on. And I think we've done a tremendous job finding people that are not only, you know, great football players and great football coaches, but they're great people. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to continue because we have a special guest coming on next week. Former Big Ten Player of the Year, MVP, 1,400-plus uh, yards, 17-plus touchdowns in his junior season, running back Pepe Pearson. Uh, we're, we're hitting up on uh, this 97 Rose Bowl team because we've got a lot of guys that come back and have joined us from it. But Pepe is one of the greatest running backs of all time in Ohio State history one of the greatest running backs of all time in college football and Big Ten history. And now uh, he is an assistant coach and the running backs coach for Tennessee State University with Eddie George uh, down in Nashville, working at the HBCU, trying to build that program up. And uh, we are pumped up to have him, um, you know, have him on the program. So uh, we're excited for next week getting to uh, to bring uh, Coach Pearson on and, and really enjoyed hearing Coach Griffin today. Um, looking forward to it. All right, guys. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, try and take a nap today to get that hour back. And uh, uh, love everybody. Appreciate everybody tuning into the show. And hope you guys will join us next week uh, for Coach Pearson. Pepe Pearson is going to be on the show at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard. James, keep your chin up. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Man coverage. Knoxville Nate, James P. Bonneville. Talk to you again next week. Same bat channel. Same bat